Hi, this is Paris Lee. I would like to share with you something different, something special, and I would like to dedicate this to anyone who needs it. If it speaks to you, it's for you. And if you know someone you think needs to hear it, it is for them. I want you to share it. If you would like the written transcript, or for some reason you need the original MP3 file, email me a request to Helen of the Iron Horse at gmail.com. Thank you. The Gods as I Know Them. Chapter 2 The God of Everything. By Paris Lee. God is love. If you can understand that, then nothing that follows is necessary. This simple statement is all you need to know. God is love. It's not just a thing he does. It is what he is made of. In the beginning, there was Hecate. Most people don't remember this, but in the beginning, the universe was not empty, as chaos fell to Uranus, and Uranus fell to Kronos, and Kronos fell to Zeus. The drama did not go unnoticed. It had an audience, even if that was an audience of just one. Hecate was a witch. And what the myth means by saying that she was a witch is to say that she was magical and practiced that magic so that she could manipulate her world and her reality at her will. But since she lived in the time of the Titans and the gods, this wasn't unusual or unexpected. All that lived were immortal and each had power of their own. So did Hecate. But the power Hecate had, she kept to herself. She did not get involved in the politics and the wars of others. She lived happily, on her own. Now, many times I retell myths. I anthropomorphize, and I think of them in anachronisms. That's a fancy way of saying I update their look and their personality to something more modern or familiar. I see Hecate as a modern witch, a concept that wouldn't be invented the way we understand it until the 19th century. What I know as a witch is a fiction created by artists drawing upon the bigotry of the 15th century. What I think of as a witch is a kind of cartoon created so that the idea is palatable for children. This is not what Hecate was, but I'm going to update her a little, with respect. To me, when I see Hecate, she lives in a cottage on her own. She has a garden full of flowers and herbs to draw from to create her spells, she is young. After all, the universe was young. Everything was young. She is not the crone, with her hands twisted and her body withered, as she is normally depicted. No, she is the maiden, beautiful and alluring. After all, she had power like no other had ever had. Why wouldn't she use it for her own vanity? She had every reason to, because she was in love. Now who she was in love with is lost in the myth. Whoever it was, they are not mentioned. Perhaps she hid their identity. Whoever they were, she spared them the scrutiny of time and of humanity. Who would misunderstand her, so they would most likely misunderstand them. Who her love was, was a secret she kept to herself, locked in her heart. But love itself felt too wonderful for Hecate to hide. She wanted everyone to know what it was like. It burned through her, 
It drove her to joys she could not have imagined before. This was a feeling everyone should feel, thought Hecate. This was happiness in its purest form. Love needed to be shared. And so she began working on a potion, a love potion. Outside of Hecate's little world, the wars continued to rage. The universe itself was in flux, and the Olympians, the gods, fought for their freedom from the Titans. Kronos had been tricked. He had tried to eat his children so that none would rise to overthrow him, but the mother of his children had betrayed him. She had hidden one so that he could not eat him. She had raised him in secret so that he would have the power he needed. Zeus fought Kronos and won. Zeus was now king of the gods, but what he wanted was to be god of everything. He did not want to be god over only what he saw, but he wanted to be god of existence itself. To take not just Kronos's power, he wanted ownership of existence. So he did what any god would do. He began to eat everything. He ate the mountains and drank the seas. He ate the moon, the sun, and the stars. He ate the sky itself. He gorged himself on reality, and with each piece of reality he was able to consume, that piece of reality now existed within him. It was part of him, and he was part of it. From the cabin, Hecate saw the god, young and brash, devouring everything he could see. I like to imagine she was last. He knew of her power, and he would use a more subtle way of convincing her it was best to be devoured. He saved her for last, because if she refused, there was nothing he could probably do about it. If she chose, she could live in a little witch's cabin, with her witch's garden, alone in a universe by herself. So when Zeus came for her garden, and for her cabin, and for her, she would be forced to comply. But Zeus thought like a fighter. He saw what he could conquer, and he would use his power to achieve his goals. Hecate thought like a creator. She saw what she could create, and how she could change reality to her needs and her desires. If she was going to be eaten by Zeus, then she would be ready. Hecate, come to me. It is time, commanded Zeus. Have you come to eat me, my lord? You can stay if you'd like, but you will be alone. Will you eat first my cabin so that I can have a place to live? Of course, said Zeus, and took the time to devour her cabin. Will you eat first my garden so that I will have my plants to tend to? asked Hecate. Of course, said Zeus, and devoured the garden. Now... You are all that is left. Will this hurt? asked Hecate. I promise I will not chew, Zeus swore, as he held his hand out for the witch to climb upon. He had grown to the size of a mountain, so that he could swallow her whole as a kindness. Hecate climbed into the enormous god's hand, holding tightly in her hand the love potion she had crafted. If he had seen it, if he had known what it was, he would never have eaten it. But as she was placed into the mouth of the god of everything, she let go, 
opening the bottle and spilled its entire contents into his mouth. The potion burned through Zeus. It found every piece of him. It changed every molecule, every atom, every tiny piece of his existence. It turned him into love. He was now love. He was made of it, and everything in him was saturated by it, which now, because of his feast, was everything. Inside Zeus, the new universe was filled with passion, where each creature within it felt the need to show compassion. It became part of everyone. It is often said that there are three essential things that everyone needs to survive. If you remove any of these three, their life will suffer to a point where they cannot continue. The first is food. Everything that lives needs to consume. It is the fuel they live on. The second is shelter. Everything that lives needs to find a place to rest. They need a place of their own to call home. Without that, the elements will eventually erode their life. The third is love. Everyone needs love. It is as if we are made of it. And without it, like being without food or being without shelter, the very life within us is eroded. We cannot live without love. Zeus felt this love, and he reveled in it. He poured his affections onto his wife Hera, but she was not enough. He needed more. He saw Io and desired her. He wanted Europa and took her as well. In time, there were so many. Heifer, Arachne, Leta, and Demeter. It would seem as if the god had no control. Love was everything he was. Hera felt this love, but she saw the focus of that love betray her again and again and again. And though she felt love for Zeus, that love turned to pain, and her pain turned to anger. She would extract revenge on those she felt responsible for his betrayals. Eros felt this love, and found Psyche. He could not live without her, and so he would meet with her in secret, until that secret became useless, and they were married. Hades fell in love and married a girl he was not supposed to, Persephone. Together, they would rule the underworld, bringing that love even to the dead. Zeus was god of everything, but Zeus was now made of love. And love was everything. God is love. This story is an allegory, but what does it mean? Like all myths, this allegory can mean what you need it to. Whatever in the story calls to you and helps you understand how you are and how you feel right now. Do you live longing for someone you cannot have? Do you have someone you cannot stop thinking of? If you could understand in a way deeper than you had before, that at your core, all of your decisions come from a place of love. Would it help? Would you make better decisions? That is the nature of myth, to help you. Myth is there to serve you, not the other way around. The Greek religion, like all religions, has three aspects. There is the myth of that religion. That is the actual story, as it appears above. It is created by a writer who, with hopefully good intentions, has left their thoughts behind for others to find. There is the practice of the religion. Do those people who practice it meet on Sunday mornings? Do they sing songs? Do they give sermons? Are there holidays and celebrations? 
However it is that they take their myth and turn it into action, that is the practice of the religion. Then there is the God of that religion. For the sake of this argument, we have to assume that God is real. Zeus is real. If that is true, then Zeus is older than this story, whether or not the story happened the way it was told. And I can assure you, it did not, because I made some of it up and took great liberties in my artistic interpretation. Zeus is older than the story, and if he were to read it, perhaps it would amuse him. If he were to share it or give it to others, it wouldn't make it more or less true. He would do it because he could use it as a tool so that people would understand him better, and themselves. God is love. That is the most important thing to remember. The Christian religion has core beliefs. They can be boiled down. They can be simplified. If you look hard enough, you can find their core. And at that core, you will find three words. God is love. If you doubt me, then read John 4, verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So if this is true, how did the Christian religion stray so far from its core? Why do they believe that they should act in hate towards those people who are trying to find that love for themselves. The practice of Christianity has become a thing of bigotry and pain, racist, sexist, and biased towards anyone who does not seek love the way they believe it should be sought. How is it that the practice of this religion has separated itself so far from the myth of that religion, from the God of that religion? I don't know. But the truth seems obvious to me. God is love. He does not want you to be in pain. He does not want you to lie to him about who you are. He does not want you to hide your beauty and your life. He loves you for who you are, for what you are, for everything about you, all the way down to the very atoms you are made of. He is capable of nothing else. He does not want you to live in a closet. So why do so many of his followers believe that you should? In the 14th century, there was a monk his name was Henrik Kramer. He was outspoken in his damnation of witchcraft, a practice that most at the time believed to be fictitious. His efforts were mocked at the time by the majority of people, especially Helena. Helena did not like Henrik. She felt he was a hack, and she said so on many different occasions, even spitting on him in the street. Henrik hated Helena and in time he found complaints, created stories, or coerced her neighbors into confessing that she had been practicing witchcraft. He took her to court, and tried her as a witch, and though being a witch was against the law at the time, the law had no legal definition for a witch. After all, you could have tried her for being a goblin, but witches and goblins don't exist. They're fictional, and so the case was thrown out, Without a legal definition of witchcraft, and what it is, and what it does, no one can really be found guilty of it. So Henrik wrote one. He wrote the Malleus Maleficarum, the witch's hammer. It was hateful, bigoted, sexist, and to read it today, it reads like insanity. But to the people of the 15th century, it became law. It was a new myth created by a hateful bigot who was at war with women. 
what followed was sheer horror thousands and thousands of people in europe were burned at the stake as witches witch trials raged through towns and communities they became the tools of opportunists who could steal the land from their neighbors by accusing them as witches king james i of england bought in one hundred percent and he himself would go to witch trials although it is said that he was just and would uncover graft within the trials and end them if he found it he still encouraged the practice of hunting down witches in sixteen ninety two in salem massachusetts fifteen people were killed most were hung some died in prison it was more than two hundred years since helena's trial but somehow what happened in salem exposed the ugly horrible disgusting truth that people have been fighting a war started by one man's hatred one man's bigotry and because one sexist disgusting hateful little man could not stand being beaten by a woman who was obviously smarter than him thousands of people would die and most of them would not remember the origin of this war even now centuries have passed and the christian religion still sees witches and witchcraft as their enemy they forgot the horrors and the tragedies that that belief caused them and they forgot that the majority of the people most of the thousands and all of the fifteen that died in salem were christians god is love this is the most important thing you should remember but what does that god think of a man who tried to make god something else what would that god do to those people he had shown so much of his kindness and generosity those who reveled in his gifts when they turn and tell others that god is hate that he wants them to live in pain that it is god's desire that they suffer every day what does god think of people who lie and say that it is god's design that you can never be yourself that you can never express the love you have for the people you have it for that a god of love would want that these lies are ridiculous and they are backed up by quoting men who are continuing a war started so far in the past they cannot remember its origin men who spoke with bigotry and hate they changed the myth to suit their needs and that changed the practice of the religion that was supposed to be for everyone the message of jesus was simple mark sixteen fifteen and he said unto them go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation and what was it he asked them to spread what did the gospel say matthew twenty two thirty seven through forty jesus said unto them thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart and with all thy soul with all thy mind this is the first and greatest commandment the second is like unto it thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself on these two commandments hang all of the laws and the prophets god is love and his commandments are simple love him and love everyone else the christian religion is a tool 
it is there to serve God, not the other way around. And if the Christian religion cannot understand that God is love, if it continues to stand in hate and preach a message of bigotry, exclusion, and pain, then it is a tool that needs to be corrected, because the message is clear, and any craftsman who has a broken tool will do his best to fix it. But if he cannot fix it, he will throw it away. I am Paris Lee. I am a trans woman who loves her wife and her God. I refuse to lie about that. I refuse to hide who I am from my God, my wife, or this world. I believe in his love. I believe because of that love, he wants me to be happy, healthy, and free. I am not an enemy of the Christian religion. But, like the witches before me, I am a Christian, even if that religion has exiled me. I feel I have been excommunicated because I refuse to feel shame. So, like so many before me, the Christian religion has made me their enemy. But it's not me who will judge them. It's not me who will shut the doors if they need shutting. This is a warning to the Christian religion. The writing is on the wall. It is God, despite his love for you, who will correct the Christian religion, or he will throw it away. God is love. That's it. Remember that. Nothing else I said is important. Nothing else in this rant of mine is necessary for you to understand or agree with. If you know, understand, and remember, God is love. And that love is for you.